can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on The Front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Monday, November 6. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese arrived in China for a landmark visit yesterday. Speaking in Shanghai, the PM said improving Australia's trade relationship with China was a win-win for both nations. It comes as punishing trade bans on Australian products are wound back. Our relationship has been that we have sought to improve the relationship with China by being patient, calibrated and deliberate by engaging in a constructive way. And I think we're seeing benefits from that with our trade, and that's a positive thing. Mr Albanese also attended a reception hosted by Tourism Australia, where he met with more than 400 Chinese business leaders in an attempt to woo Chinese tourists back to Australia. Back home, fresh data from NewsPoll shows the Prime Minister's approval rating has plunged following the voice referendum defeat. Concerns over the rising cost of living have also seen the margin between Labor and the Coalition shrink to its narrowest point since last year's election. Queensland's under-fire forensics lab routinely destroyed or discarded thousands of crime scene samples for more than a decade. The stunning revelation was made in a submission by Queensland Health to a second inquiry into the lab's catastrophic failures. In today's episode, we unpack why the lab did away with precious evidence that could bring rapists and murderers to justice. When closing arguments in an inquiry into Queensland's under-fire DNA lab wrapped up on Friday, Commissioner Annabel Bennett gave the lawyers in the room an edict. Any relevant documents, things like statements and submissions, had to be in her hands by this morning. Anything that was received after that deadline could be missed by the inquiry altogether, and that could be a disaster. After all, that's the whole reason the second inquiry into the lab's failures had to happen. Commissioner Bennett acknowledged that meant many of the lawyers would have to work over the weekend, but it didn't change her instructions. When the new inquiry was announced by Queensland Health Minister Shannon Fentiman, it was described as short and sharp. I can confirm that the commission of inquiry will commence today. It will go for six weeks and it will be led by Dr Annabelle Bennett, ACSC. The no-nonsense former judge has been working at breakneck speed ever since. Bennett and her counsel assisting, Andrew Fox SC and Gabriella Ribigotti, have been tasked with getting to the bottom of how a critically flawed DNA testing method came to be used in the lab, starting in 2007 and leading all the way up until 2016. It detected 92% less DNA than when scientists tested the samples by hand, And that means rapists and murderers have evaded police for close to two decades. The failures of the automated method, which used high-tech multi-probe devices, basically robots, to batch test DNA samples from crime scenes, flew under the radar at the first inquiry into the lab because its new boss didn't flag it with that inquiry's commissioner, Walter Sofronoff KC. Hence the new inquiry, and hence the urgency. 
As this morning's deadline approached, Queensland Health, the government department responsible for the lab, dropped one last bombshell. In a submission published on the inquiry's website sometime after proceedings wrapped up on Friday, it was revealed that the flawed DNA extraction method had been used to process just over 130,000 crime scene samples. 131,323 to be exact. It's the first time the scale of the Project 13 problem has been quantified, and it far outstrips the 37,000 samples that the lab is already retesting after the first inquiry. In this Queensland Health submission, it is the first time that we have seen an official number and the 130,000 that Queensland Health has suggested is broken down into crime scene samples, reference samples, environmental samples and things like that. We also don't know yet, because it's not in this submission, how many of these samples are serious crimes like murders and sexual assaults compared to what they call volume crime, which is break and enters. So there's still quite a lot of work to be done to get to the bottom of this great big mess. David Murray is the Australian's national crime correspondent. He's been reporting on the lab's failures as part of the Australian's investigative podcast, Shandy's Story. You also asked how long it would take to review all of these samples and work out which ones need to be retested and which ones don't. That is a very good question. We have no idea, but I think one thing's clear, it is going to take quite a while to sort this out. But that's not the most shocking part. The Queensland Health submission also revealed that a huge number of those samples were destroyed or discarded between 2010 and last year. And that means victims of violent crimes committed in Queensland may never get justice. A substrate is essentially the original sample, but after the DNA has been extracted from it. So it's what's left after you've extracted the DNA. Now, in normal circumstances, you wouldn't really need to keep that because you've extracted the DNA. You've got what you're looking for out of these samples. But, of course, in the Queensland lab, their extraction method was going wrong for nine years, from 2007 to 2016. It wasn't recovering DNA. So going to the extract is not going to be any use because the DNA wasn't extracted. So we've heard that they're going to have to go back to the substrate or the original sample and try to test that. But there's a policy that some of these original samples were discarded. So that's samples from fingernails, cigarette butts, chewing gum, toothbrushes, straws, stamps, envelopes. None of those have been kept between 2010 and 2022 when the Sofronoff inquiry actually issued a do not destruct notice to stop that happening. What that means is in some instances, if they want to go back and retest a particular sample, they won't be able to. It just won't exist. Mercifully, all is not lost. Apart from these particular types of samples, all other samples were kept. So that will allow retesting. Scientists working at the lab when the automated extraction method was introduced knew about the DNA yield issue. But you have to wonder, if the lab's own staff knew it wasn't getting results, why on earth would they destroy or discard the precious samples they had? 
The Queensland lab has done a lot of strange things over a very long period of time. Some of them, no doubt, have been justified, but plenty of them were not justified. And we've heard that over the course of two successive commissions of inquiry. So I think at this point, we just have to wait and see what the explanation is. It may be just that those types of samples, it's considered that they won't retain the DNA or they won't retain enough DNA for them to be worth keeping and that everything you can get is going to be in the material that's already been extracted from those samples. In the meantime, I think there's victims of crime out there who are rightly very alarmed about this, thinking, well, what if this is the one piece of evidence that's needed to solve my case? Forty-seven crime scene samples from the 2013 murder of 23-year-old Mackay woman Shandy Blackburn were processed using the automated DNA extraction method. It was the bungled testing of those samples that led the Australian's National Chief Correspondent, Hedley Thomas, in collaboration with David Murray and forensic biologist Dr Kirsty Wright, to expose the lab's catastrophic failings. Shandy Blackburn's 2013 murder in Mackay remains unsolved, but when the government lab couldn't detect DNA from a pool of blood, the alarm bells started ringing. In yet another blow for Shandy's family, it's unclear if her fingernail clippings, which might have yielded trace DNA from her killer, survived the purge. So there are now question marks over all of those samples. It's clear they all need to be retested. We spoke to Shandy's mum, Vicky, and she was understandably very, very concerned about this. And she is seeking answers to find out what happened in her daughter's case. Coming up after the break, how a brave whistleblower reacted to this latest revelation about the lab. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. Forensic biologist Dr Kirsty Wright has twice blown the whistle on Queensland's DNA lab, and twice her concerns have prompted multi-million dollar inquiries. First, it was over a controversial testing threshold that meant crime scene samples processed by the lab either weren't fully tested or weren't tested at all. Here she is in an episode of the Australian's investigative podcast, Shandy's Story. I feel sick to the bottom of my stomach that this is going on. I think Shandy's case is the tip of a really large iceberg. I really did not want that to be true. The second time, it was over the flawed automated testing process that succeeded in extracting DNA less than 10% of the time. I believe that the failure to identify Shandy's murderer can be traced back to Project 13, this deceptive decision that was made in 2007. David Murray spoke to Dr Wright and says she's stunned by the new revelation that crime scene samples tested using the automated method have been discarded or destroyed. Kirsty Wright says that under normal circumstances, this wouldn't really be an issue for original samples to have been discarded as the lab would still have the DNA extracts. But she says in this case, the lab's extracts are a complete dud 
they don't have good quality extracts to go back to. The chances of getting something from those samples were probably very small, she's told me. However, by discarding them, of course, you have no chance. She said that there may not be any viable evidence left for these samples, and she said that's horrible. When counsel assisting Andrew Fox SC gave his closing arguments on Friday, Dr Kirsty Wright was vindicated for a second time. Commissioner Annabel Bennett, still working to that incredibly tight deadline, will deliver her findings to the Queensland Government in the coming weeks. By then, she and her counsel assisting will have reviewed more than 12,000 documents, including emails, spreadsheets, meeting minutes and reports. So the question now is, what will the Commissioner make of it all? This submission was basically a response to questions from the Commission of Inquiry that was asking Queensland Health to provide the number of samples that had been affected or compromised by this whole debacle. And the Commission has asked for a lot of documents. It's asked a lot of questions. It may simply be a case that there is a lot of material, but as it's put online, we'll certainly be taking a close look at it. David Murray is the Australian's national crime correspondent. You can hear our in-depth analysis of the Project 13 inquiry in the Australian's investigative podcast, Shandy's Story. Just search for Shandy's Story wherever you got this podcast. And you can find the nation's best news, sport, politics and business anytime at theaustralian.com.au. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? Uh, I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.